Well, welcome back to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Hey, thanks for listening and thanks for your service. Today, we spotlight part-time policing and the benefits of reserve officers. Some of you know I do a monthly column on Police One with retired Colorado Chief Joel Schultz called State Your Case. Each month between Joel and I, myself and our terrific editor-in-chief, Nancy Perry, we come up with an issue of significance with different perspectives. Many of the policing issues strikes a nerve with some folks. And for the record, we do not choose which side of the argument we get. We get it assigned to us or we flip a coin and then we come up with critical thinking perspective to make an argument, a reasonable argument, and a friendly and cordial argument. Well, we talked recently about whether or not part-time police officers could help solve the recruitment crisis, and I drew the short stick. Our guest today is Dr. Ross Wolf, who currently serves as Reserve Chief Deputy with the Orange County Florida Sheriff's Office, and as an interim assistant provost and professor at the University of Central Florida. He is the president of the Volunteer Law Enforcement Officer Alliance. Ross has over 30 years of experience as a full-time and reserve deputy and has served in patrol as a field training officer, specialized patrol and criminal investigations as a detective. He was appointed to and serves on the International Association of Chiefs of Police, Police Administration Committee, and on the National Sheriff's Association Outreach Committee and Reserve Law Enforcement Subcommittee. He's a certified Homeland Protection Professional and has authored over 50 refereed articles, professional articles, book chapters, and books on police interviewing, police administration and management, reserve and volunteer policing, police use of force, tourism policing, and international policing. Wow. That is a mouthful. Welcome to Policing Matters, Dr. Wolf. Thank you very much, Jim. Appreciate being here. Yeah, for the record, I am officially a huge fan of reserve law enforcement officers, and both Chief Schultz and I both served as cadets and reserves before our full-time policing careers. I had a great time uh, meeting uh, full-time deputies. Um, There wasn't uh, a caste system Um, We worked regularly, did ride-alongs with them. Um, You recently wrote a reserve officer um, article in Police One, and what compelled you to duty? And and tell us something about your article. Sure. Um, I'll start out with, you know, why I serve as a reserve. I actually also started out as a reserve officer. Uh, In in Florida, there's uh, two different levels of volunteer police. One is called auxiliary and the other is called, uh, well, by statute, it's just a, um, a part-time police officer. Uh, there's, no, there's no actual word of reserve in Florida. However, I started as an auxiliary, which is a lower level training. Uh, I loved it. I really enjoyed what I was doing. Uh, I couldn't believe, um, you know, that, that uh, I was going to my regular job and it really felt like work. And when I would go out and do my volunteering, it was just so much uh fun to be able to work with people, to help solve problems, to, you know, to get crime off the street. All those things was just really uh, enthralling to me. So I actually put in to become a full-time police officer, as you read in my my bio there, and I became a full-time uh, deputy sheriff uh, with the Orange County Sheriff's Office and worked for them for five years. 
uh, as you mentioned, uh, doing, doing various roles. Uh, however, during that five years, I earned my doctorate degree. And so um, one day I was uh, uh, working for the sheriff's office and got a call from the university where I now work, the University of Central Florida. And um, my life took a turn and I accepted a position uh, as a faculty member. But I didn't want to give up policing. I really enjoyed what I was doing and I really felt like it was uh, it was making a difference in the world. So I became a reserve deputy and I've been doing that again now for 20 years since since I left full time, 21 years now since I left full time. So I've been very involved, as you mentioned in my bio, I've been very involved both nationally and internationally with trying to uh, get the word out about volunteer police, about reserve policing. Uh, and it's called various things, depending on where you are in the United States. Uh, in some places, you're called auxiliary, some places reserve. Uh, you might be called special deputy, uh, special constable. There's all sorts of different titles for them. But uh, one of the things I got involved with was the Volunteer Law Enforcement Officer Alliance. And that organization represents all of those groups, Depend, you know, just doesn't matter what you call uh, what you're called. If you're out there doing policing as a volunteer or part time, uh, we want to we want to represent you. And so I got elected to be president of that organization and I'm still trying to get the word out about the great things that volunteer police can do for police agencies. So real, the other question you asked was about the article. And so the article I wrote was. Um, largely uh, a response to what you had uh, written in your in your debate. Uh, and I just wanted to give a little more information. It wasn't a, um, you know, a response to anything particular that was said. I just wanted to give a little more information about reserve policing and, and talk about those differences throughout the country and also talk about some very successful programs that there have been uh, in the United States, such as, you know, the Phoenix Police Reserves, Dallas, uh, my agency, the Orange County Sheriff's Office, Orange County, California, Sheriff's Department, Washington, D.C. I'm just naming a few of them, Florida Highway Patrol. All of these organizations have really successful volunteer programs. Uh, the largest of, of those being the New York Auxiliary. Uh, however, they don't have a lot of they don't have sworn powers. So there's again, there's different ways of uh, defining these groups throughout the country. Yeah. And so who, who do you see a pattern? Do you see who typically joins? Is there one group of men or women from a specific um, uh, career background? No, um, careers uh, are all over the place. Uh, we have pilots, doctors, mechanics. Um, we have um, people who teach our, you know, our school teachers business owners. They're, so as far as uh, other occupations go, they're all over the place. But the kind of person that joins reserves typically is broken up into three different categories. The first is someone who really wants to get into policing, but they also either the agency wants to, to see how they do first before they hire them full-time, or they aren't ready to give up their full-time position in whatever they're doing to become a police officer yet. So they're, they're interested, they wanna get recruited. This is their way of getting into the agency. So that's the first group. The second group are those people who have already been police officers who have uh, served either, they're getting ready to retire or maybe they served 10 years or less or, or more. And they found a different career that they're interested in doing now after serving uh, some time, kind of like me. I, you know, I, I served for five years and then became a, a faculty member. So those folks, uh, whether they're retired or or just um, resigning from police work, uh, from full-time police work, 
decide to give back to their community and continue by being reserve police officers. And then the final group uh, that I like to categorize are the folks that do it just to give back. They have no interest at all in being part of um, policing full time. Um, they, they don't intend on, on uh, drawing a paycheck, uh, but they want to do it because they want to give back to their community. And that's a large group of people uh, throughout the United States and elsewhere that that see policing as an opportunity to do something as a volunteer. Some people do, um, you know, help out at a, a, you know, food distribution. Some people help out the Salvation Army. Other people do other types of volunteer work, helping their community cleanups. This is a different type of um, volunteer work that makes people feel good about what they're doing and making a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've, you know, throughout my career, I've observed all three categories, certainly the altruistic, the ones that just want to do good and and they've got, uh, you know, a great image of law enforcement. Uh, but we've had, you know, high-end professionals, uh, doctors, uh, lawyers, who've really helped out with their expertise. And we've actually had a couple on the show, uh, a couple of uh, physicians uh, that are working as reserves uh, in Colorado. We've had uh, a great show on uh, COVID and, and how officers can can protect themselves from a doctor who is a reserve there. So really, really awesome work. Has there, have you ever seen a cash incentive or an incentive uh, where reserves are actually paid? There are some agencies that actually uh, consider reserves as part-time employees. So if it's an agency that maybe has a large influx of people for a season, whether it's snow season or beach season or some type of, uh, of season, and they, and they need more officers for that time of year, but they don't need them the rest of the year. It's a, it, it, they're able to handle it with a smaller number. Some agencies have decided to use reserves as, a, you know, as an influx, a small group of people, a ready group of people that can come in, be hired temporarily and work for those, for those time periods. And, and often, most often those are paid positions. Um, there are also other um, agencies throughout the U.S. that will pay some sort of stipend or um, uniform allowance and those kinds of things to individuals. And then there are other agencies that also allow reserves to work off-duty jobs, just like the regular officers can work off-duty jobs for those agencies. They allow reserves who are, uh, you know, keeping up with their time putting in the right amount of, you know, the required time as volunteers, they allow them to work those off-duty jobs too. So, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, I've vacationed up in Alaska and certainly for the fishing season, uh, they hire part-time officers. I really didn't know about it happening in the lower 48 until I heard from uh, some other people in places like Arizona and Colorado who said they are part-time cops. And I was wondering, well, how does that work? And a big part of our debate was in training and the training issue. You know, a lot of what we do in law enforcement is a perishable skill, right? Whether it's firearms or EVOC, uh, emergency vehicle operation, um, you know, some of the first aid requirements and things like that. Uh, what's How rigorous is training for reserves? One of the things that my organization, the Volunteer Law Enforcement Officer Alliance, stands behind is that any agency that utilizes reserves, whether they're part-time paid or volunteers, needs to provide the training to those individuals for the job they're doing. 
If you've got a reserve sitting behind a desk in an, in an office and working on a computer, helping do investigations, maybe that person doesn't need that EVOC or, or, or law enforcement mm-hmm. vehicle operations training. Um, at, but if you've got them out there working patrol, if you've got them out there doing details that are uh, in the public eye, uh, they should have the training that they need, just like any police officer, to be able to respond uh, to whatever might come up. They're wearing the uniform of a police officer. Sometimes it's slightly different than whatever the agency wears, but the public doesn't know the difference. And so if you've got them out there in the public eye and they're doing things that they might be called upon to, to act as a police officer, they should be well-trained. I'm going to use my agency as an example. We are required to do the exact same training that the full-time law enforcement officers do. All of our reserves have to go through the same field training program. Well, first of all, they have to go through the same academy if they're going to work on their own. Again, there's two different levels of training in Florida, auxiliary and, and reserve, but or, or part-time. But the part-time officers that serve as reserves in my agency have to go through the same exact police academy as a full-timer. They have to go through the same field training as a full-timer, and they have to do the same annual training that a full-timer has to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, uh, you know, we break it up for, for reserves. We do it. Uh, a lot of the training we'll do on our monthly meeting. We'll have some training there, but we'll also break it up on Saturdays and have the training on those days. So the people who work are able to still accomplish what they need to do and get the training that they need for this position. So one of, again, the big thing is that they should be trained to be able to do the job that the agency is asking them to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, where I'm from in San Francisco, uh, like you said, the the uniform is exactly the same. I think there was a used to be a small R on uh, the one of the patches that you really had to look for uh, or a rocker. I think we're at a rocker now over the patch. Um, and we try to get uh, the officers integrated into patrol work, into field work to supplement uh, our patrols. Um, do you see a lot of um, expertise going to roles that you don't really see as, as reserve officers, administrative roles or things like that? So uh, this depends on the agency. Again, there are agencies that use volunteers to do just about everything um, from and that could be, uh, you know, working in CID on cold cases all the way to um, being a trained member of a Marine patrol search and rescue dive team. Hmm. Uh, so it, it varies by agency. It most of the time um, when you, when you talk about these successful programs that I mentioned earlier, the reserves are really integrated into all areas of the agency. Uh, they're able to do anything a full-timer can do, but again, they have to have that training that is necessary for that full-timer to be in that position, they have to have it as well. In some agencies, I've actually seen it where the reserve is the head person over a specialized unit because they have the experience and the expertise, sometimes because of their career that they have outside of law enforcement, sometimes because they've spent their lifetime you know, working on getting the education and the training needed to hold that. But they're the one who then serves as the trainer for the full-timers who need to work in whatever role that is. Yeah. 
No, you make really great points. And reminds me, my own, my brother-in-law, Carl from uh, Mansfield, Ohio, is a, a dive uh, specialist with the special deputy with the sheriff's department there in, um, in his county in, in Ohio. Um, that's a great um, example when you have someone with expertise. I know in Yosemite, uh, the rangers used to employ uh, actual climbers, and the trade-off would be that they'd get special camp privileges, and uh, they just had to answer the the pager at the time. I, I guess they've got cell phones now, but at the time, uh, they were always on alert that if they had a, a stuck climber or a retrieval or something like that, their expertise got them up to these uh, crevices and, and places where you know maybe a, a normal ranger or officer would uh, have the training to get to. So yeah, really great point there. Um, yeah, I want to get into some of the other duties that reserves do, and I want to talk about um, the sacrifices they make, um, mostly uh, unpaid, and uh, I'll get to that in a second. But first, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor. PoliceOne.com is the number one resource for your up-to-the-minute law enforcement news, training, and incident analysis. Our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety. Becoming a Police One member is quick, easy, and free. Once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to policeone.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's policeone, the number one, dot com forward slash registration. And we're back with Dr. Ross Wolf, who currently serves as Reserve Chief Deputy with the Orange County Sheriff's Office in Florida, works full time for uh, Central Florida uh, University. What University of Central Florida. University of Central Florida. Oh, I don't <laughs> want to get that wrong. What do you see in there? I am a criminal justice professor, uh, but um, I'm mostly doing administrative work these days. Uh, okay. I'm serving. I'm serving as the uh, campus lead. Yeah. So I guess my career is the flip of yours. So I did my 32 years with the police department, and I've been teaching for 10. And I, I like the way it's it's panned out. I do I do love teaching. I do teach criminal justice, so it's great. You you get to, a peek at the next level of law enforcement leadership coming through, and it's interesting uh, to see their perspectives. Uh, a reserve role would be great for some of these students that are weighing the options of a law enforcement career. Do, do you guys have any any sort of um, uh, program that that gives the students a, a peek at the agencies? Yeah, absolutely. And again, from my experience and from things that I've done, um, many years ago, I created in cooperation with the sheriff's office, what we call a law enforcement officer training corps. Uh, so it's students who are doing an internship through the sheriff's office, and the sheriff's office is getting an opportunity to see them at work uh, in order to consider hire them either as reserve or as full-time deputies. So that, and that's happening in a lot of, uh, you know, similar programs are happening in a lot of different colleges and universities throughout the country, which is a great way, as you said, uh, to get that pipeline of good qualified people coming, coming through. 
Yeah, it's a great recruiting strategy when we need it most. And I mean, I think it should start in high schools. I, I gained my interest in law enforcement when I took a youth and the law class in, I think, my junior year of high school. So uh, I think it's it's a great strategy. Um, what issues come up? So you, you probably go to the annual uh, conference, um, probably teach a couple of breakouts there. Um, what are the issues that you're hearing most? Give me a couple. Well, reserves are interested most in learning about best practices from other agencies and how other agencies are able to um, to function or to exceed in, in what they do. Um, you know, our, we have classes, we have training classes at our conferences, everything from uh, tourniquets uh, to we do Sometimes we'll do things like uh, vehicle operations and firearms and repelling and those kinds of things. But we also have guest speakers come in. At our last conference in Phoenix, we were uh, thrilled to have uh, the detective uh, Carol, who was the the detective who arrested um, Miranda, uh, which is where the Miranda rights came from. He actually came and spoke to us, so it was a wonderful experience. But some of the things that that they're most interested in. Uh, in talking to each other about are some of the things that you mentioned, you know, are reserves able to get any type of pay for anything? You know, does your agency do boot allowance or uniform allowance? Do they reimburse you for your travel? Um, How does your agency work with the full-timers? Is there a liaison person? Is there a chain of command? Uh, How are you accepted by full-time people? And those kind of conversations are really important at a, at a conference to, to get those best practices. So have you heard of anything innovative? Um, I remember going through as a reserve, uh, we had to check in with a regular deputy and we did a ride along with a regular deputy. So you had a deputy and a, and a reserve and uh, we acted as partners and, and essentially did the same job. Do you see anything um, innovative coming from a, an agency? Yeah, actually, one of the most innovative things that I've seen um, has to do with what's called employer supported policing, where a community has come together to support volunteer reserves uh, so that if a volunteer works for a company, that company will support that reserve officer in doing their volunteer time by providing them a certain number of days a month. Uh, to allow them to do their service. So they still get their paycheck. It's not cutting into their, um, their, their, um, you know, their monthly paycheck, but they're able to uh, still do the service for their community. That's a really great one. Uh, there's also been some other innovative things. Um, there are agencies out there where they have full-time people in the chain of command re- reporting to reserves. And that was an interesting one that uh, we learned about in Phoenix, uh, where um, there's actually a group of full-time personnel assigned to the reserve unit uh, who work for the reserve um, assistant chief of that agency. So that's a, that was a really innovative one. Uh, some agencies are do things, as you said, Jim, they, they ride along, they'll be a backup officer uh, in the same car as, a, as the full-timer, but other agencies like mine, uh, since we have the same exact training, as the full-time officers, we go out on our own, um, but we still can act and do act as that additional person, that backup person who responds. Um, we're there to be uh, extra hands uh, when when needed, so that if 
if a full-timer goes to a call and needs someone to come help them or to come back them up, or even they're just concerned and they want someone to, you know, another officer to come over, they don't have to worry that everybody's tied up on calls and there's no extra people out. Um, we still take calls, but that gives more people out there. I don't, um, one of the things I'm most proud of my agency and the reserves in my agency for is we actually had, and most people don't know this, um, many people are aware of the pulse shooting that happened in Orlando, mm. uh, but but m- most people don't know that the reserve unit was actually doing a detail that night, uh, and many of our reserves responded to the pulse, uh, and three reserves actually received the Medal of Valor for going into the pulse during the shooting while it was still happening to rescue victims, mm. and one of our reserves was named uh, as the National Deputy Sheriff of the Year by the National Sheriff's Association in conjunction with two other full-time deputies. So there were three deputies that received the award that year, and one of those three was Reserve Bob Knight from our agency. Uh, and what people don't think about when they, when they think about volunteer police is they think about us doing always doing you know, the side jobs, not being involved in you know, actual police work, as it were. Uh, and I used air quotes around the word actual there. Um, but we do, you know, there, it, depending on what agency you work for, reserves are out there doing the same thing uh, that full-time police are doing and, and being those extra eyes, those extra ears, those extra hands to help out the full-timers. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I love the fact that you mentioned the, the pulse shooting in Orlando um, where officers were, were, uh, rewarded for their service. We heard a lot of criticism on the response and, and the delay in, in seeking aid. So kudos to um, Deputy Knight and, and the others for, for the work they did there. Um, so there's other transitional um, positions where maybe we get somebody interested in, in policing, but they're not really um, you know, ready to jump in and put the uniform on and go through the training. Uh, we have CERT uh, nationally, um, citizens emergency response teams. We have other sort of localized versions of that alert systems and NERT system, neighborhood emergency response teams. That's great training. That's a great introduction. Maybe the, the intermediary step between um you know, civilian life to maybe joining the reserves, maybe maybe joining the regular department. Um, what else are you hearing uh, internationally? Uh, any good programs? Uh, we saw a couple uh, that actually spurred our uh, debate, and that was that internationally you have uh, agencies that have large contingents of reserves uh, to to meet the gaps uh, of, of recruiting issues. Yeah, actually, I've done a lot of work uh, in the UK and with police agencies in the UK, and um, they are certainly the leader in the world, I would say, in the number of volunteer police that they have compared to their full-time police personnel. They really have um, been able to, you know, to to get into their communities and have community members sign up. Uh, They are having some problems um, this decade. Uh, they weren't as hot. They're not as high right now as they have been in the past. But uh, one of the things that the UK is able to do is utilize those. Res- they're not called reserves there. They're called um, uh, special constables. Um, those special constables there as as they are trained. So if you are in the city of London, which is one of the 
um, agencies that I work with. The city of London, uh, which is within the, the London metropolitan area, um, but not the London Metropolitan Police. So the city of London police actually utilize their, their volunteers or special constables to do a lot of investigative work because they are primarily responsible in that city of London area for financial crimes. And they utilize their special constables to do a lot of those investigations. So there's a lot of great things that are happening all over the country, all over the world. Uh, and in this country, uh, as I mentioned, um, there are agencies that have you know, dive team personnel. There are also agencies, and I know some in California where they have search and rescue teams, helicopter search and rescue teams, where the entire crew is made up of reserves, including the pilot. Wow. Um, there are agencies in, um, you know, in the South where they have um, uh, mounted patrol um, deputies who are reserves. And as I mentioned earlier, all over the country, the, the rules and requirements for, for being a volunteer police officer are different. In New York, for, as I mentioned earlier, the New York City Police Department auxiliaries, they wear a uniform that looks just like, um, you know, the, the regulars or, or very similar to the regulars there in New York, uh, but they don't have law enforcement power. Mm. Uh, that's very different from Florida, Texas, California, where reserves have or can have, based on their training, full law enforcement power. So there's different ways that uh, different jurisdictions have decided to use volunteers. Yeah. Yeah, no, we I've seen the the mounted patrols and again, you know, where where there's labor intensive training uh that we may not have time for for full timers. Um you've got great expertise in dive teams and boat drivers and and mounted patrols uh, our, my local sheriff's office has a um the sheriff's posse which is made up I I think almost entirely of uh, civilian sworn. So I'm going to wrap it up here. I appreciate your time. And uh, I want to know from what you're hearing at the conferences and anecdotally uh, from around the country, what do we need to do? Uh, what do the regulars need to do to support reserves more? Which, what should we be thinking about? Well, there are some places where there's some negativity towards volunteer police officers because of uh, feelings that, uh, you know, they're trying to um, keep the agency from getting the proper funding to hire the right number of personnel, um, that um, that there are people who are wannabes and, and uh, don't want to spend the time to, to really understand what they're doing. Uh, and unfortunately, those do happen. That does happen in some places. But if you give if full timers can give volunteers, the tra as, as I mentioned earlier, the training that is necessary to do the work they're doing, uh, you would be surprised at how much citizens, regular citizens who have other occupations will come out to help support police. One of the best things that I've been able to, um, to see in volunteer policing is that it really creates a tie with the community. Where else can you go to say, uh, I have this business owner who knows exactly what we're doing and I want to go to him for some, some questions about what other businesses are feeling. Or I have a medical doctor, as you mentioned earlier, uh, that, that I can use as our um, chief medical director of our agency as a reserve. Mm. Um, there's, you know, so I think one of the main things that full-timers can do is show that support by finding a way to utilize people and not making them feel like they're relegated to um, to doing things that nobody else wants to do. Yeah, great, great advice. 
Hey, I want to thank you for being on the show. We have Dr. Ross Wolf, who currently serves as Reserve Chief Deputy with the Orange County Sheriffs in Florida and as Interim Assistant Provost and Professor at the University of Central Florida. He's the president of the Volunteer Law Enforcement Officer Alliance. Hey, I really appreciate uh, your time and your efforts uh, across the country. Thank you, Jim. It's great being here today. Really appreciate it. You bet. Hey, to our listeners, thanks again for listening. I hope you found today's show interesting. Let me know what you think. And if you're listening and you're not sworn and you're not in policing, but you really uh, are thinking about it, um, look at your local agency's reserve site on their website. Uh, if you're not ready to don the uniform, uh, look at the CERT program through the FEMA website. Uh, uh, and Dr. Wolf, any other suggestions? Yeah, um, please look up policereserve.org. That's the Volunteer Law Enforcement Officer Alliance. So again, that's policereserve, all one word, dot org. Uh, nonprofit organization that's out there uh, supporting volunteer police throughout the world. Awesome. Okay, and we will uh, add your links uh, to the bottom of our show notes. So look those up and uh, check in and check it out. Appreciate your time again. And for our listeners, hey, stay safe, be careful out there, and uh, we'll hear from you real soon. Take good care. If you want to send us a note about uh, an issue you'd like to hear about or an individual you'd like to hear from, uh, drop us an email at policingmatters at police1.com. That's policingmatters at police1.com. I'm Jim Dudley. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.